welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, May 3rd, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin. Today's show features our weekly update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidelines for slowing the spread of COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Dr. Ferrer. I will start with our daily numbers, which just as a reminder, do reflect a delay in weekend reporting. And I'll take the first slide. Uh, We do have no deaths to report today. Uh, This is the second day that we're reporting uh, no deaths. Uh, This is, uh, in fact, a reflection of a delay in reporting over the weekend. Uh, But it does uh, leave our total number of deaths at 23,914 across L.A. County. And as always, we do extend our love and our prayers to everyone who's lost a loved one during this tragedy, and we're hopeful that deaths will continue to remain very low in the weeks ahead. We're also reporting 255 new cases today. That brings the total number of cases in LA County to 1,233,985. These cases do include 52,956 cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 11,224 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. Uh, There are 390 people currently hospitalized with COVID-19, and this is the first time in a very long time that deaths have dropped to below 400. We've investigated a total of 5,004 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Of these, there are 70 current ongoing investigations of outbreaks, and we've closed 4,934 investigations. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is 98,624, including 40,852 cases among residents and 57,772 cases among staff or employees. To date, more than 6.5 million people have been tested and had test results reported in LA County, and the cumulative positivity rate remains at 18%. We'll take the next slide. Uh, This is our weekly graph that shows the trend lines in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths from March 1st of 2020 through April 25th of 2021. Case numbers continue, as you can see, to remain low and stable. On April 25th, we saw 306 daily average reported cases. That's a 27% decrease from the 422 daily cases we reported on March 25th. Hospitalizations also decreased to uh, to 421 on April 25th. Uh, This was down 40% from 699 in March. And on April 25th, we reported four daily average deaths down 80% from 20 one month earlier. We're gratified to see these continued low stable case rates and consistently low daily test positivity averages. Today, I do wanna focus for a minute on how the pandemic is playing out among our children. We'll take the next uh, slide. Uh, We're all aware that COVID has had the most severe consequences in older adults. Yeah, can we go back to the second slide? 
uh, and that children haven't suffered the same levels of illness and deaths during the pandemic as adults. However, children do get infected, and unfortunately, we've seen children get severely ill and be hospitalized with COVID-19. On this slide, you can see cases by episode date amongst children divided into three different age groups. The blue line shows cases among children zero to four years old. The green line among children five to 11 years old. Uh, and the yellow line, uh, actually, let me just change this. The yellow line is children five to 11 years old. And the green line is children two to 17 years old. Although there are echoes of the greater pandemic here, you'll note that the numbers for all children are quite a bit smaller than they've been in adults. For example, although adult cases peaked at 15,000 new cases per day in January, cases in the 12 to 17 age group peaked at about 1,070. And for each of the younger age groups, the peak numbers were also significantly smaller, 851 for children ages five to 11 and 391 for children zero to four. Next slide. Similarly, hospitalizations in young people have risen and fallen alongside adult hospitalizations, as you can see on this graph. At their high point in mid-December, pediatric hospitalizations peaked at about 68 per week, compared to a peak of nearly 8,000 total patients hospitalized at the peak of the surge for adults. In April, as more LA County schools have reopened, we started to see a slight rise in hospitalizations from the very recent low point. Although the rise is still very small, it is a reminder that we're not out of the woods. Protecting children from infection and complications, especially those not eligible for vaccinations yet, remains a high priority as we enter the months ahead. We've seen fewer pediatric deaths than we've had deaths uh, among adults during this pandemic. In total, five children in LA County have died as a result of COVID infection. One child was in the zero to four age group and four children were between the ages of 12 and 17. Two of these children died from MISC complications. The loss of a child is such a heavy burden to bear and our hearts are with the families and friends who have lost these young loved ones. Next slide. A rare complication in young, in young people is multisystem inflammatory syndrome, often called MISC for short. This rare but serious condition involves inflammation of the heart, lungs, kidneys, brain, and other organs. Although most children who have this complication survive their illness, there have been 36 cases of death from MISC nationally among the 3,185 cases reported. And as I noted earlier, unfortunately, two of those cases happened to young people here in LA County. Uh, in LA County, MISC cases in children generally lag behind community cases in adults. As you can see here, the peak in reports of MISC cases occurred about one month after the peak uh, in adult cases. This is because MISC generally affects children after they've already been infected with COVID-19. MISC has not affected all children in LA County equally. Although 56% of our country of our county's pediatric population are Latinx, 74% of MISC cases occur in Latinx children, while the rest are evenly divided between black and white children. 
31% of MISC cases take place among children who are obese or overweight, uh, while 9% take place in children with chronic respiratory disease. These disparities in the distribution of this complication highlight the need to ensure that we support preventive measures like distancing, infection control, and masking at schools with particular care in communities where there are greater risks of COVID-19 transmission. Next slide. I'd also like to update you on our current overall efforts to vaccinate the residents of LA County. As of April 30th, we've administered more than 8 million doses of vaccine in the county. Of these, nearly 5 million were first doses and more than 3 million were second doses. We can go to the next slide. Our ability to maintain low numbers of cases and correspondingly low numbers of hospitalizations and deaths can be attributed in large part to the increased numbers of people vaccinated. This trend line showing the cumulative number of vaccinated people in LA County shows us just how far we've come since the first day of this year in January and how important it will be to continue an accelerated rate of, of vaccinations. This is one of the most hopeful charts we've been able to show over the course of the pandemic. And it's frankly thrilling to see the line continue to go up. I do wanna thank everyone in LA County who's done their part to move this line higher and higher, keeping all of us safer together. Next slide. And while we're grateful for the tens of thousands of people that are getting vaccinated each day in LA, our vaccination numbers dropped considerably this past week. From April 24th through April 30th, slightly more than 467,000 doses of vaccine were administered. The week before, April 17th through April 23rd, over 611,000 doses were administered. And this is not because we didn't have supply. This week's numbers uh, represent a decrease of 24%. With ample supply, our efforts now need to remain focused on making it as easy as possible for everyone 16 and older to get their vaccine. Next slide. Uh, this map does show us uh, all of the sites in LA County where we're offering vaccinations this week. And as we've shown you in the past, this week, uh, like other weeks, we've increased the number of sites. We're now up to 739 sites offering vaccinations. And this includes pharmacies, clinics, community sites and hospitals. The pale green areas uh, here on the map indicate the zip codes where inadequate housing, economic instability, and other factors contribute to lower levels of community health. You can see that many of our vaccination sites are concentrated in these areas, which have been hard hit by the pandemic. We wanna make it as easy as possible to get a vaccine if you live in these communities. Currently, you can obtain vaccines at the eight <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> at the eight county run sites, as well as many of the community sites without an appointment, please check vaccinatelacounty.com to find a site near you. Uh, and next slide. Um, we do continue to support mobile vaccination teams that take vaccinations into neighborhoods to reach people who may have limited ability or time to get to one, to one of the established vaccination sites. On this map, the pale green areas again indicate low resource zip codes. The orange markers indicate the 1,315 sites where mobile teams offered vaccinations in the past, while the blue markers indicate the 126 sites 
where these teams will be offering vaccinations this week. The mobile vaccine team is working with partner, partners such as markets, stores, and Metro to establish some standing mobile vaccine sites at places that are central to these communities. Meanwhile, and we'll go to the next slide, because we're now able to vaccinate teens 16 and up across LA County, last week I shared with you this map of schools that were partnering with us to deliver vaccines to students and community members. Uh, and in the meantime, since last week, uh, we added uh, additional sites. So now we've gone up for the 41 original sites to 56 sites uh, where teens and their families uh, can go ahead uh, and get vaccinated. And we'll update this map in upcoming days. Being able to vaccinate students and their families and community residents at our school sites is a very important strategy for reaching our teens. And we want to thank the schools and the health centers that are working together to make this possible. In early April, April, Pfizer submitted its request to the Food and Drug Administration to approve its vaccine for children ages 12 to 15. To prepare for this change, we urge providers to consider expanding the range of vaccines you're delivering uh, to include the Pfizer vaccine. We are now able to break up dose allocations of Pfizer into smaller numbers to help support any vaccine provider that's able to make this vaccine available to patients without the concern for waste. Many families and children are very glad to be back at schools and we're grateful to the devoted school staff, educators, students and parents who continue to make sure that schools are operating with as much safety as possible. The safety tools we're using to prevent infections in school are simple but powerful. Masking and social distancing really work. As we vaccinate more and more teachers, more and more teens 16 and older, and eventually more younger teens, we'll be adding additional layers of protection at our schools. I'll take the next slide. And I do want to shift and just show our progress administering vaccine doses to residents and communities that have the lowest scores on the Healthy Places Index. These, again, are also communities that have been hard hit uh, by the pandemic. As you can see in this chart, LA County continues to administer a larger percent of doses to people living in communities with fewer resources needed to be healthy when compared to California overall. The blue bars represent LA County's percent of administered doses for the week of April 24th through April 30th, and I'm sorry that the slide wasn't updated with those numbers, but the data is. The dark blue bars represent LA County's cumulative percent of administered doses, and the orange bars represent California's percent of administered doses as well. On the left, you can see the allocations of doses to the lowest scored communities uh, on the Healthy Places Index in LA County. For the week of April 24th through April 30th, LA County administered 35% of doses to the people living in the communities with the fewest resources. Cumulatively, LA County has administered just about 30% of its total doses to residents in these communities. Although there's no longer a scarcity of vaccine, it is critical to continue to prioritize ensuring very easy access to vaccines in the communities that are hardest hit and those communities with low vaccination rates. We'll take the next slide. You wouldn't normally think schools and nursing homes have that much in common. However, something we've seen in both of them is that vaccinating many of the people 
who go to these places provides a lot of protection. Outbreaks become rare events, as you can see on these charts, showing schools and skilled nursing facility outbreaks. We're hopeful that as more teens playing sports are vaccinated, we'll see fewer outbreaks in schools and in youth sports, and that will translate to fewer cases within our school community and our families. In the meantime, there are many other ways we have to prevent these outbreaks. Masking and distancing works well in schools, and it works well in the public also. Children can still spread this virus, not only to other kids, but to adults as well. So when children are indoors or near other people outdoors, children should still be wearing masks. There will be a time in the not distant future when many of our children will be eligible for the vaccine. And at that time, they will be able to safely be unmasked in spaces outdoors and indoors. Until then, some children might feel more comfortable wearing a mask outside if you're masking as a family or as adults in their life. Even if all the adult members in your family are vaccinated, mask together with your children as much as possible, specifically when at an indoor gatherings or while in crowded outdoor places. It does set a good example and it's easy then for them to follow your lead. And while we're all reminded daily about the powerful vaccines now available, for our children and others not yet vaccinated, masking remains an essential tool in our effort to keep transmission rates low. Recent studies have shown that masking is extremely, an extremely potent way to reduce transmission. In one study published in the Lancet Digital Health Journal in January of this year, the odds of COVID transmission were reduced more than threefold with just a 10% increase in community masking. Next slide. For those who are eligible to get vaccinated, the vaccine is here, and we thank all of our LA County residents who are doing an amazing job showing up to get shots in the arms of themselves and their loved ones. I worked at the forum vaccination site a couple of days ago, and I wanna give a huge shout out to those that came to the site feeling pretty nervous and found the courage to get vaccinated, knowing how much it meant to others in their families and to all of us here in LA. This is how we get to the other side together. Thank you, and I'm happy to take your questions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please raise your hand using the hand icon or send the host a chat with your name and outlet to be placed in queue. As a courtesy to other reporters and to allow for ample time for questions, we ask that you please limit yourselves to one to two questions per reporter. One moment, please, for our first question. Our first question comes from the line of Patrick Healy. Patrick, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks very much. Hi, Dr. Ferrer. Uh, forgive me, I have an accounting question for you today. Um, I've, I've been looking at the, uh, the, the vaccine dashboard and the daily chart of vaccinations, and those numbers uh, appear to be much lower than the numbers you gave for vaccinations the past two weeks. So um, explain that to me. Is the dashboard only showing those uh, doses that have gone through public health to, to the providers? and the numbers you gave today are totals, including those yeah. that come directly. If you could just explain that, how it works and, and why, why they've fallen off so much since April 1. Yeah, I'll have to check with our team um, because there should be a note on the dashboards that explains uh, why the difference. But I will say we pull our data off of CARES, which is the immunization records uh, that really, are, you know, that's how we 
uh, actually can see doses that have been administered, not just by us, as you noted, uh, Patrick, by, but also by the federal partners for whom we really have no other visibility uh, to actually be able to do that calculation. Um, so our data really shows the doses that have been administered across the entire county. It's also not just doses that are administered to residents. So as you know, we vaccinate workers uh, as well as residents. And, uh, and that's another thing that's important to keep in mind is that the numbers differ slightly when we look at who's getting vaccinated uh, in terms of the number of people. And then when we look at who's getting vaccinated in terms of the number of residents. But Patrick, let me check with my team uh, and take a look at the discrepancy. And uh, we'll get back to you today with a, a more detailed explanation of the difference. Our next question comes from the line of Emily Valdez with KNX. Emily, your line is unmuted. Uh, hi, Dr. Ferrer. Um, I have a question from me, um, which is, uh, well, two for me. What percentage of LA County is fully vaxxed and is the decline due to vaccine hesitancy? And then I have a question from Claudia, because I'm filling it to Claudia today. <laughs> she, she's emailed me a question. Um, given the drop in demand for vaccination, do you think that it's possible to get 80% of eligible, eligible people in LA County vaccinated before the summer begins? Okay, um, so in terms of uh, the first question about what percent of residents are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, I believe the number is 37% as of last Friday. So I'm not sure with the new calculations that I just that we just looked at where we've now got over 8 million uh, doses administered if you know that number's changed. If it's changed, it's changed just a little bit in terms of fully vaccinated residents. And that is the number for residents. Uh, in terms of vaccine hesitancy, um, you know, I'm not comfortable like sort of using the term vaccine hesitancy because I think there are lots of reasons uh, why we're seeing a slowdown. Um, some is just, uh, you know, the, for some people, it, it still is too hard uh, to get themselves uh, to a site uh, and to, in fact, uh, be able to get vaccinated. So for some people, we still have an access issue. We're hoping as we're able to pop up, and you saw this week, uh, we continue to increase the number of mobile teams. Uh, we're hoping as we continue to be able to pop up uh, in many places in communities, at parks, at shopping centers, uh, for some people who are very busy going about doing what they have to do to, to get through their busy days and highly scheduled days, this might make it easier. Also, the fact is, at all of those sites and, and many other vaccination sites, you don't need an appointment anymore. So for everyone who, you know, getting on the computer, on the internet, finding a location, all of that was a huge, uh, you know, hurdle. And it is for some people. You have to have a fair amount of time. Um, if you've got a, a place in your neighborhood, it, it pays right now to go and check uh, because most sites are actually not requiring appointments. And most sites right now have availability in terms of both slots when you can come in and get vaccinated and also uh, plenty of supply. Um, I, I think other there are some other issues we do need to, to pay attention to. Uh, people really need to have access to the kind of information they're going to find helpful to be able to make a good decision. I've said all along the job of public health, um, you know, we, we don't really, we're not sitting here ordering people to get vaccinated. Uh, we want people to feel very comfortable that these vaccines are safe uh, and they're super effective. 
and because of that, we try to make sure that everybody's questions are getting answered. Questions about safety, questions about long-term effects, questions about the effectiveness of these vaccines. Uh, and to that, we both hold town halls and large town halls and smaller town halls, and we have uh, community health workers out there trying to, again, make sure we're answering people's questions and then giving them good information. Um, and I do think there's a small group of people that really don't want to get vaccinated. And uh, at this point, uh, that group of people is unlikely to, to feel comfortable coming in uh, right now to get vaccinated. Uh, and so, you know, for those folks, um, please take your time. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we have some urgency here because the more people that get vaccinated, the less the risks are of uh, both known and unknown variants uh, of concern taking hold here uh, and getting us back to a place where, where more people are dying, more people are hospitals, and we have more cases. Um, but we, we're not here to, um, to force people uh, to go and get vaccinated. We're here to present a lot of information to help you see and understand how powerful these vaccines are, uh, how much of a difference it makes. And because I do, uh, you know, I do have the privilege of, of working along with uh, my entire team here uh, and many other folks uh, who are supporting our vaccination sites, um, I, I hear from people uh, about what their worries are. And I hear from both some people who are there driving family members uh, to get vaccinated and not ready yet themselves to get vaccinated. And I hear from other people who are, are really scared uh, about getting vaccinated, but made that choice and, and showed that courage uh, because they, uh, they're ready now uh, to take that step and, and protect other people and themselves. Uh, and the data continues to mount about how much protection these vaccines are offering. Uh, in terms of Claudia's questions about do we hit 80%, uh, you know, in time for, for by the end of July, uh, that depends on all of us. Um, we're at about 37% right now. Uh, we're going to have enough vaccines, certainly, to hit 80%. Um, and whether we get there depends on people coming in and continuing uh, to get vaccinated. And then for those who aren't getting vaccinated uh, with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, you've got to come in the second time so that you have full protection. And we'll go on and take the next question. Our next question comes from the line of Jeff Wynn. Jeff, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, Dr. Furr. If I could just kind of piggyback on the conversation that you're having right now in terms of Claudia's question. Um, there was an interesting piece in the New York Times uh, this morning about how a number of public health officials are kind of rethinking the term herd immunity. So my question to you is, are we going to be able to, is, is herd immunity attainable, I guess, is the question. And uh, given uh, what you said about the 30% of our residents being vaccinated so far, how is that going to affect us advancing into the yellow tier? Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. And, and I just, uh, one, one small correction, uh, we have 37% of LA County residents fully vaccinated. And, uh, I think about 65% of people 65 and older fully vaccinated. Uh, so impressive numbers there. Uh, and I know there is a lot of talk about what does herd immunity look like? You know, new virus, new vaccine. What do we really need to get to? Um, what you know, what's the susceptible population, and and what are variants doing, or just any kinds of mutations, and and how does that affect our our understanding of herd immunity? So I you know I appreciate. Uh, all of the scientists and researchers that continue to get us more information. Uh, one thing we know for sure is uh, this vaccine is really powerful. 
we have so much data now um, here just in LA County about the fact that almost everyone who's vaccinated isn't getting infected. So with what's circulating right now, uh, just about everyone who's been vaccinated is, is no longer in that case count that I announce every day. So uh, very few people uh, in that case count, those 400 plus cases I announced are fully vaccinated people. Almost no one is hospitalized uh, that's been fully vaccinated and uh, really uh, almost no one has died uh, who's been fully vaccinated uh, here in our county. So yes, lots of protection. Uh, and the more people that get vaccinated, the more protections we have. So I'm less concerned about, you know, is there one number we absolutely have to reach than I am about making sure people understand just how much uh, protection uh, they have with this vaccine. Uh, but thanks for those questions. I think they're, they're really important. And, you know, at this point, uh, the goal is for us to make it as easy as possible for people to come in and feel comfortable getting their vaccine. We'll go ahead and take the next question. Our next question comes from the line of Rob Hayes. Rob, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, doctor. Good to see you again. Real quick question, uh, uh, yellow tier, I mean, are we still on track to move into that tier this week? And uh, if so, when will that announcement come? Yeah, it's a great question. And, I, you know, I think we're on track to move into the yellow tier. Uh, but I just as a reminder, I know our case numbers uh, stayed low. So um, and, you know, this is always a look back for the state, but they do use an adjustment factor. Uh, and that's, you know, really the 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 adjusted case rate is what gets used to move us. And I'm not exactly sure what that adjustment factor will be exactly uh, for this week. I, I feel pretty confident that we should be moving into the yellow tier this week. What that will look like is the state will post our metrics tomorrow about noon. Um, we will then let's uh, just assume the best that we are qualifying for the yellow tier. We'll then move into the yellow tier on Wednesday. Uh, we will be prepared to issue a health officer order on Wednesday that will go into effect on Thursday. So the changes um, that we'll be looking at when we get into the yellow tier, as I noted before, are primarily around increasing cat capacity, uh, both at indoor and outdoor events and at indoor and outdoor venues. Um, and uh, the bars will be able to move indoors uh, and provide service at about uh, at up to 25% maximum capacity. With all of the changes, as everyone knows who, who's working at these businesses or customers going to these businesses, there will still be rules uh, around distancing, uh, masking, uh, and infection control. So that part won't go away, uh, but we will be aligning, you know, fairly significantly uh, with the direction the state is moving in. We're just going to want to make sure that. Wherever you're going, you can always keep distance of at least six feet uh, from others, uh, that everyone is always wearing their masks appropriately, um, with the exception of vaccinated people and a handful of a very uh, distinct set of activities. Um, and that infection control is still apparent uh, everywhere that people are uh, going to be where they're intermingling. So we still have to protect our workers. We still have to protect children. Um, so we're going to move this forward. I, I feel pretty confident we do get to the yellow tier this week. I, I think we've done a, a really decent job holding our own if you look at our case numbers. Um, and uh, people are, are really invested, I think, at this point in seeing our recovery move forward. Our 
Our next question comes from the line of Ron Lynn. Ron, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hey, Dr. Ferrer, thanks so much for speaking with us. Super, super appreciate it. Um, our question today about younger Latinos, vaccine access and hesitancy and uh, herd immunity. So first, Santa Clara County has reported that young Latinos are not getting the vaccine as much as all young residents. So only one in 10 Latinos age 16 and 17 have gotten the shot compared to one in three of all residents age 16 and 17. Are we seeing the same thing here? Lack of interest among either teenagers or Latinos and what can be done about it? And, and a, a couple follows on some prior uh, questions. Some counties in the Bay Area are saying, hey, we need to expand evening and weekend hours and even home visits to increase vaccine access. The question is in LA County, is, is the main concern right now still expanding access to the underserved? Or do you feel the access issue has been resolved and it's more about helping to persuade undecided people? And then finally, a follow up on that herd immunity question. So some of this discussion has been this idea that, you know, we won't achieve herd immunity this year or perhaps ever because, you know, kids aren't going to be vaccinated this year. Um, and, you know, and maybe that there's just too many uh, people who are just resolutely against getting vaccinated. So what do you think is is herd immunity still a useful concept for us to have a goal or is it no longer relevant given the variance? the young children issue and vaccine hesitancy. Thanks. Oh yeah, thanks so much, Ron. Um, so let me let me just start with the information uh, and, and thank you, Santa Clarita, for um, you know looking looking through your, your data. Um, we're still looking through the data across the county uh, for those children 16 and 17 who've been getting vaccinated. At our last count, we were at about 25% last week of uh, young people 16 and 17 across the county getting vaccinated. Um, I, I already have shown data, certainly uh, for Latino men, um, and this was 18 and above, uh, they have the lowest rate of vaccinations uh, across the entire county. Uh, and we are working really hard uh, with a lot of, you know, influencers, with a lot of our community partners uh, to better understand uh, what accounts for, for this um, sort of, you know, um, lack of coming in and getting vaccinated. What are the barriers? What are the concerns? Uh, we've got teams out, you know, doing focus groups with some of the teams, uh, just really trying to hear from them about uh, what they're worried about. And, uh, and I think uh, part of it, again, is um, if you have low rates amongst the men in their lives, <laughs> who they look up to, who they listen to, and those men aren't getting vaccinated either, <clears throat> makes it, you know, uh, easy for, for folks to uh, continue to think that this vaccine isn't something that's so important for them. Uh, one of the things we've tried to impress upon everyone is, you know, uh, the men in all of our lives are, are really important and having them get vaccinated is important to us. Uh, the people who love and care about the men, whether they're our children, our partners, our brothers and sisters, I mean, our brothers, um, they're, you know, they're people who we care about and they're essential people in our community. Uh, but we have noticed that they have the lowest rates uh, of everybody across the county as, as Latino men. Uh, and we're still looking at our data on 16 and 17 year olds to see whether uh, that trend holds there as well. Uh, and when you say is access resolved, you know, I would say no. Uh, you know, access not resolved. I mean, you just talk to some people and you'll find out by listening to what stands in the way of them in getting vaccinated that all of the access issues have not been resolved. 
This is particularly true for people who don't have cars, <clears throat> have some transportation issues. Uh, for people who are homebound, we're still working through those lists of, of homebound residents. Uh, for people who have limited time, they're working multiple jobs, just hard to find time uh, to get somewhere and, and uh, where they're working and where they're living, there's not a site right there that's easily convenient. Um, and, and, you know, really up until last week, just getting an appointment for some people was, was a huge obstacle. Uh, there are other people uh, that really are wishing there was more information in the language that they're speaking. And we've got to make sure, again, not just at our sites, so where we have, you know, a new program that helps make it easy for us to be able to translate to everybody, but at all of our sites that we're able to really figure out how to give people information uh, in the language they're most comfortable uh, speaking and listening in. Um, and, you know, I think uh, we'll continue to, to have to work hard uh, on making sure that we're linking people who have limited tra transportation, particularly in the more rural areas, uh, to be able to get them to get to one of our sites. So I don't think access is a done deal at all. I think we have to keep working on access and we have to keep working on getting good information out so people feel uh, comfortable making a decision to get vaccinated. <clears throat> And you know the question of herd immunity, as I noted before, I mean, I think, I think uh, you know, if you're in public health, what matters the most right now is just that we get more and more people vaccinated, um, because we do know, like immediately, where you have large groups of people that are vaccinated, you have fewer outbreaks, fewer cases, and that really will, uh, you know, no matter what, translate to fewer people being hospitalized, fewer people dying. Um, we also know that this, these vaccines are pretty powerful on reducing hospitalizations and deaths. Um, and I don't want to forget that because uh, herd immunity, uh, you know, that concept is really important because it allows you to feel pretty confident uh, that you've got the tools at hand with the vaccines to really stem off large outbreaks. Uh, but the other thing about these vaccines is for people who do get vaccinated, so much protection against being hospitalized and dying. Uh, and that really also helps protect our healthcare system. You know, we all just lived through a disaster here in LA County. Um, so I'm not as much worried about what's the number for herd immunity or do we get there, or what that concept really needs to mean as I am about, we got a powerful vaccine. We're hopeful that more and more people will continue to come and get vaccinated and wanna make that as easy as possible. So thanks for those questions and uh, we'll go take the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Marla Tejas. Marla, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi. Hello, Dr. Ferrer. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I apologize. I logged on at 105. So if you touch on this, I do apologize. But I would love your reaction to the zero deaths yesterday. I understand a lag in weekend reporting. Nonetheless, it is a good thing. Is that the first time that we've ever experienced that in LA County? And then it was great to see you on stage at Vax Live. Uh, and so I wanted your reaction and how, how that experience was for you. Okay, yeah, thanks so much, Marla. Um, and uh, yes, uh, zero deaths yesterday, zero deaths today, first time uh, since we had our, our, you know, sort of, since we sort of had a, a lot of cases that we've had zero deaths. So in a very long time. Um, and, you know, it does provide, obviously, a, a lot of relief. Uh, unfortunately, it is an artifact of the lag in reporting over the weekend. Sundays and Mondays are always our lowest days on deaths. 
uh, on the numbers of deaths. Uh, we expect and anticipate that they'll go up tomorrow. But I have been reporting steadily for the last couple of weeks that the number of daily deaths, when you go back and you actually look at what day did people die, not just what day did we get reports of it, which is the problem we have with the weekend lag, uh, you know, we're down to an average of four or five deaths a day. Um, and uh, that's a huge, huge decrease. Uh, and I know it brings, uh, you know, a, a lot of hope and joy uh, back into our families because that was probably one of the, the worst parts of this pandemic was losing so many people that are loved and cherished in their communities. Um, so, you know, I am hopeful. I am really, really hopeful about uh, the deaths staying relatively low. Uh, the deaths, in fact, you know, are often intimately linked to hospitalizations. And as long as our hospitalization numbers continue to decline, uh, even a little bit, uh, the death numbers will stay really low and, and could even drop. So, yes, I want there to be a real day where when we go back and we do the episode date, what day did people die? We actually have days where nobody really died uh, on, the, on a given day. And I think we're close to getting there. I hope we're close to getting there. Back slide was, was obviously uh, so much fun. Such an important cause. Uh, this is about making sure that there's equity in vaccine distribution across the world, understanding how uh, we're all interconnected and how important it is for all of us to work uh, with our governments, uh, with all of our people, uh, to make sure that there's vaccines uh, available in every single part of the world and that we don't continue to, to see uh, any stories about haves and haves nots around uh, vaccines. Uh, vaccine distribution, uh, because it's important for the well-being of all of us that uh, people have access to these life-saving vaccines uh, everywhere they live and work across this entire globe. Uh, and of course, it, it was fun. I mean, this this was an event uh, where everybody who attended was vaccinated. It was really uh, meant to honor all of our first responders, uh, our healthcare workers, our essential workers. It was glorious to be with the people who have kept us going for this very long, uh, you know, sort of 16 uh, or 15 months, uh, and to really thank them uh, for their service, for all they've given up, uh, and then to sort of get behind uh, being able to promote vaccines and uh, for everyone. And of course, you know, it was a blast to be able to listen to live music again uh, and feel surrounded by both the musicians that were playing for everyone, but also uh, you know, friends that uh, mean a lot to all of us. So yeah, it was a great time. Our next question comes from the line of Jackie Fortier. Jackie, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi there. Um, I just wanted to follow up real quick, just to make sure, do we have any data on which teenagers are choosing to get vaccinated by race or ethnicity? And then, um, I'm curious how LA County Health Department is reaching out to kids that, you know, get their information on TikTok. Um, I talked to them over the weekend, a group of eight of them, and uh, they had never heard of the LA County Department of Public Health, and quite a few of them are choosing not to get vaccinated, and they had some major misconceptions um, about vaccines, including even what a vaccine was. And then if you could also please talk about preparations um, for the Pfizer vaccine, getting uh, an EUA for 12 and up, um, will that be immediately available at the LA County Department of Public Health sites? Thank you. Yeah, great. I'm just, I wanna make sure I get all these. Um, 
So, yeah, we're working on actually being able to to look at our data by race and ethnicity as well as geography for 16 and 17 year olds. We don't have that done yet, but obviously we'll share it with you as soon as we do. Um, I, I love that you talk to a, a group of teens. I think you're hearing from them what we're hearing from them. Lots of misinformation um, and uh, the, their trusted sources of information often, as you noted, are not necessarily providing them uh, with what's accurate. Uh, we are trying to do a lot of different things, uh, working with teens. Uh, we obviously have, you know, here at the Department of Public Health, we have our own teen council that we work with pretty closely uh, around developing messaging uh, and campaigns that are targeting teens. Uh, we also do work as well uh, in the schools. I have a pretty big effort there. We're actually training what we call student ambassadors. Uh, these are young people that go through a training program with us um, so that they can, in fact, uh, work with their peer groups, uh, work with their friends, you know, uh, be able to provide more accurate information. It's something we do around other health issues. We know that uh, the other place a lot of teens go to get information is from their friends. And having more and more young people really have that detailed information, really understand a little bit more about what goes into making a vaccine and having them feel comfortable being able to explain to others the safety and efficacy of these vaccines is going to be essential. Uh, so a huge shout out to LACO uh, and to the school districts that are partnering with us on the student ambassador program. It is a training program for, for students. We do it virtually right now, but we have, you know, dozens and dozens of students that are enrolled. And we are looking at uh, using materials that are developed by students, by young people, uh, to uh, really, again, uh, be able to launch more social media uh, campaigns and to get information out on the sites where young people are looking. Uh, but appreciate your, your question and, and concern about that. And LA County obviously is planning uh, for being able to vaccinate 12 to 15 year olds. I mean, you hear the same information I hear is that the FDA could grant that approval any day now. We wanna be ready. Uh, one thing that uh, I think is, is good news uh, for everyone is we have been working uh, with all of our providers, uh, particularly those that are pediatricians, to try to make sure that they're able to manage the Pfizer vaccine. As I noted earlier, we've made arrangements to break down those trays into much smaller numbers so that folks don't have to worry about long-term storage or about discarding unused doses because they didn't have enough uh, children coming in in their practice. Uh, we're also at our sites uh, because we already uh, manage, you know, we already uh, use Pfizer at all of our county sites. Uh, we're working with our staff so that they'll be well prepared to start vaccinating 12 to 15 year olds. We're working with the state on a standardized consent form uh, for uh, children uh, between the ages of 12 and, and 15 as well. Um, and that will be ready to roll out, you know, uh, in a moment. We actually have the draft consent forms already done here. We've been using them as well for 16 and 17 year olds uh, when they're when they've uh, not been with their parents. So, um, so I think, yeah, I think the, the planning is, is, you know, moving forward. One reason why we're expanding all the sites at our schools is so that again, uh, we have more places where children are already at. Uh, for them to be able to easily get vaccinated. But the, the wrinkle here is just, you can only use the Pfizer vaccine. And you all know that's the more complicated vaccine. It needs to be reconstituted and also has some cold chain requirements. Uh, but we are working with everyone uh, across the county so that as soon as 
we get word that we can use those doses, uh, that vaccine, that Pfizer vaccine, uh, for children 12 to, to 15, uh, we'll be able to do so here in the county. Uh, but thanks for that. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.